Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome. It's another edition of Let's Talk Sports. We're coming to you in the midweek. And I got a special surprise here as my guest co-host joining me in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello of KHON2 is in the house. Robbie D, what's up, man? What's up, man? It's It's been a minute, but uh, glad to be back here with my boy. Yeah, saw you on Monday. You were over at Oahu Country Club. You've been spending a lot of time over there <laughs> yeah, at Oahu Yeah, my Country mail Club. being delivered there right now. <laughs> Between the Manoa Cup last week and the Marcus Mariota Motivate Foundation Golf Tournament on Monday. Uh, so saw you, some of the other TV media members out there. Um, it was a really cool day. We ended up uh, getting Marcus uh, on for an interview yesterday, which was awesome. I think he just seems to be in a good place. Um, we He let uh, a little bit of the cat out of the bag, some breaking news, if you will, that was, um, that, that was announced here on this show uh, that he also um, – Cusses like a sailor because apparently uh, his team had to, you know, they were given that and granted per the the deal with this new Netflix uh, production, this uh, docu series called Quarterback that'll feature Marcus and Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, part of the deal for them agreeing to be a part of it is that uh, his team had a chance to kind of peruse some of the scenes and make sure that everything, you know, was okay and didn't necessarily put. Uh, Marcus in, in too bad of a light um, and I don't think that that's ever going to happen with Marcus Mariota but apparently his team was like yeah uh, we had to ask them to cut out a few of the swear words there was a little <laughs> bit of a language thing it was like okay uh, the cat's out of the bag now Marcus you uh, you are a foul mouth quarterback <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and, that, and really that that that's kind of part of what people so badly want to see is yeah, that side of Marcus right and uh, we've been following him for so many years and, and people, you know, have been a part of his journey and watched him grow up and now he's a family man and all that. And it's kind of just like revealing that part of Marcus as far as the, the competitive side that we always hear about, but we don't, we're not privy to being in the huddle or being on the sideline or being in the weight room and all those things. And I, I think that's what everyone's looking forward to. When I talk to people about this special coming up, that's what a lot of uh, what comes out is that like, all right, I want to see what Marcus is like when yeah. he's not at the podium. Because he's very buttoned up, right? Yeah. Uh, he is uh, He's the genuine article. This isn't like a facade that he puts on. He's just no. a genuinely yeah. good human being and, and a kind-hearted man. Um, but it's funny because, you know, just like us, when there's a microphone in front of us, we tend to uh, clean things up just a little <laughs> bit. Us? Nah. Uh, yeah, exactly. And then when the microphone's not there, well, <laughs> oh boy. Uh, we're, we're flying some uh, some vernacular and, and elements of the language that uh, would not be so suitable around. But, uh, yeah, no, you're right. I think that's part of the draw is to be able to see Marcus when the guard is let down just a tad, but um, we'll we'll see how that comes out. Uh, Netflix will release that on July 12th, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, but yeah, all 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 things considered, um, was able to see you Monday. That was really cool, and glad that you could make it into the studio here today. I'll be out of the studio tomorrow again. Dave Kawada will be uh, holding it down, and then uh, I'll be back in studio on Friday, hoping that uh, our boy Zorned can make it back uh, up here with me on Friday as well. So that's sort of the layout of the week. Um, you're an Angels fan. Shohei Otani continues to just make history. Like, this thing, you just, every time you think, like, okay, it can't get much better than this. Like, this guy is is peaking. He is at the apex of whatever this thing is that he's doing where he is one of the best, if not the best, offensive player in baseball. Uh, and he is among the best pitchers in baseball. And you just think, like, all right, well, he's established that. There's not much more he can add to it. And then what does he do? Uh, he goes two home runs.
runs last night uh, and strikes out 10 against the White Sox in a 4-2 Angels victory. Uh, it is something that has not been done by an American League pitcher in almost six decades. Um, as mentioned, you're an Angels guy. It was only a few years ago we were talking about Mike Trout, and, and people were asking the question, like, is he maybe the best baseball player of all time? Fast forward a couple of years, and it's like, his teammate is probably the best baseball player <laughs> yeah. of all time. Um, how much uh, do we have to concern ourselves with being overly uh, superlative when it comes to uh, some of the description of Shohei Otani? I think... You know, when, when you talk about Shohei, and obviously the fear is always like, oh, recency bias, it's happening right now. And so you see this across sports all the time where, you know, even Nikola Jokic, is, is he the best center of all time? I mean, just coming off the NBA Finals, right? And it's like, Because okay, there is a thing, right? He's got to put some time together, there's right? A, there's a thing where, like, we tend to, I think this is becoming more and more commonplace, too. It's like, the best thing i ever seen is the last thing I've ever seen, yeah. right? And it's like, I think we have to kind of... Um, ward that off a little bit or, or or at least be cognizant of of that kind of thinking I think that is a little bit more pervasive now but it's hard not to be hyperbolic when talking about this guy yeah and, and so that's what we all need to be careful about normally <laughs> <laughs> is is saying that this is the best thing of all time like let's let it breathe let's let these careers develop let's make sure that there's longevity involved and all that but when you talk about Shohei Otani, it's unprecedented. And what he's doing is not only better than anyone's done it, but in a lot of cases, it's something that has never been done because it is so difficult to even attempt. And not only is he attempting it, but he is running away. I mean, if the season ended today, he's the AL Cy Young Award winner. He's the MVP. He's the Pulitzer Prize Award winner. I mean, whatever <laughs> award there is that you could He'll give He'll win him. a Grammy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he gets it all. And and in that realm, like, he's the greatest baseball player to ever live. Like, I, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but, uh, I mean, I would say Babe Ruth holds that, right? I mean, to most people. And it's because no one's ever been as good of a hitter and as good of a pitcher in their career than Babe Ruth. And, and so, yeah, Babe Ruth is the greatest of all time. Now, not even Babe Ruth was as dominant at both at the same time as what Shohei Otani is doing right now. And so, I mean, it is – it's ridiculous what he's doing. And and you have to understand how much anxiety it causes me to talk about how great of a season Shohei is having, how great of a career Shohei is having, just because what it could mean towards the end of the season, right? And now the Angels are in this predicament where – if they were struggling, if they were out of the playoff race, then we'd probably see him traded at the deadline to make sure that you get something in return for Shohei Otani. But right now, they hold an AL wildcard spot. They're having a good season. They're six, seven games above 500. And there is a path to the playoffs, which there's no reason to trade Shohei Otani. Because if you can get to the playoffs with Shohei, the best player in baseball, then there's a chance for you to win a championship. Now, my biggest fear at this point is that the trade deadline passes, somehow the Angels struggle, they fall apart, and they don't make the playoffs, 
And then he signs elsewhere at the meet end of the, the season. Meet the Mets. Meet yeah. the Mets. Well, I mean, Step right up and greet the Mets. And that's probably a, a, a team that makes a lot of sense. I think Mets, Giants, Dodgers, right? I mean, one of the Blue Bloods will go out and give them half a billion dollars <laughs> to go and play for them, which um, I would love to see the Angels do that. But, I mean, realistically, with Trout and Rendon, I mean, these big contracts, I don't know if that's possible. But So, again, it gives me a, a lot of anxiety to say this, but Shohei Otani is the goat. I'm sorry. Okay. Like, I, I, and, and it's not recency bias, and it's not that he's an angel. It's, it's that we have never seen this. I, I saw a stat where it was, you know, only X amount of times has a player in a single month had, uh, what is it, 10 home runs and uh, I forget the number of strikeouts, 30 strikeouts in a month, all right? And so Shohei's on that list. And and so the number is like he has 13 homers and whatever, however many strikeouts. And then the, the number two person is 13 home runs, one strikeout. <laughs> and then there's like the yeah. 30 strikeouts, one home run. I mean, it's just it's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. And, and so I, I guess the question becomes, because I, I think it's easier to formulate an agreement on the idea that, okay, I think Shohei Otani, if, if you don't want to give him the title as the GOAT because there are a lot of people that feel like, hey, look, he has to do this a little bit longer, right, in order to really establish that. There there sort of is a bit of a longevity aspect to that conversation. Uh, I wonder how, you know, viable that is when talking about a guy who is as unprecedented, uh, certainly in modern baseball, uh, as Shohei Otani. How, how much longer does he have to continue to do these two things and do these two things well to where we get more of a consensus. Because I, I agree with you. I've never seen anything like it. Um, but that's a bit of a different conversation, right? Like, I've, I've always considered the idea of Tom Brady from a resume standpoint is undeniably the greatest quarterback in the history of football, right? But the best quarterback I've ever seen with my eyes might be Patrick Mahomes or might be Aaron Rodgers. It's the same even with the LeBron-MJ discussion. If you want to say MJ is the GOAT, I think that, uh, you know, you very much are within your uh, right and purview to do that. Uh, but the best thing that I've ever seen on a basketball court is LeBron James. And so um, how much longer do you think Shohei has to go before we're getting more of a consensus to the idea that he might be the greatest of all time. 808-296-1420 is the number, by the way, to call in if you have a comment or question. You can also text in via the Zephyr Insurance text line. But that seems to be a thing when these kinds of discussions occur, right? Well, he's only been doing it for a few years. Uh, but in those years, he has been arguably the best offensive player and uh, certainly this year arguably the best pitcher in baseball. In fact, I was looking at... Um, some statistics that were gathered was some recent article that was written. And at the time, I mean, he's still leading the league in home runs and RBIs. Uh, but when you mixed in, I mean, because he's also threatening for the triple crown, when you mixed in batting average RBIs, home runs offensively, uh, war and OPS, uh, his season uh, can be compared very legitimately to peak A-Rod. We're talking about like peak roided up Rangers A-Rod, <laughs> dude, where he just was like dominating, right? And when you look at his ERA, whip, strikeout totals, all of that stuff on the pitching side, uh, there are similarities in those numbers, war on that side as well, to Randy Johnson's 2002-24 win season. So you're talking about a guy 
who, I mean, if he was just like I on offense and pretty okay pitching and was doing both in the major leagues, we'd still be mind blown, right? We'd be Mm -hmm. mind blown. Like this guy is unprecedented to be able to do this in modern baseball. That's unbelievable. But he is this year on offense, peak A-Rod, and on the mound, peak Randy Johnson. That is insane, Rob DeMello. Yeah, that, and, and that's exactly what we're talking about as far as, I mean, I think that how long does he need to do it? Like, he's done it long enough because, I mean, it's like that movie The Scout. Remember with Brendan Fraser, right? I mean, it's essentially kind of Shohei, right? It was like he was this incredible pitcher who threw 103 miles per hour, and then he hit tanks at, at the plate. And then the whole movie was that, but then he was this head case and like, could he get it together uh, and, and put it all together? And right, and that's a movie, that's Hollywood. Now, Shohei is doing what that movie was was putting out there, but then he's not a head case. He's like the coolest dude in the history of the planet, right? <laughs> and And it just seems so unrealistic what he's doing, but he is doing it before our eyes. Each and every day, and, and, and it's just crazy. And so I found that that tweet that I was telling you about. I just want to make sure that I, I had it accurate. It's from Sarah Langs. And so this is the list. The most pitching strikeouts in a calendar month since 1900 while also hitting 10 or more home runs. So in 2023, <laughs> June of 2023, Shohei Otani, 37 strikeouts, 13 home runs. In 2021... June, Shohei Otani, 33 strikeouts, 13 home runs. Then you go to 1921, June, Babe Ruth, one strikeout, 13 home runs. (laughs) That is insane. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, 13 home runs, which has uh, been done twice uh, by Otani in June, uh, also ties the franchise record for the month of June with uh, Albert Pujols and Tim Salmon as being the other two guys that hit 13 home runs in June. Shohei's now done it. Twice, so yeah, it's it's hard. Like you, you feel like you want to resist or push back against this idea of like, oh, we're falling for it again. Uh, you know, uh, the recency bias is taking over again. We're we're buying into the hype. He's the greatest uh, baseball player of all time. But you can make that argument. You absolutely can make that argument. And again, if you want to parse it to where, um, you know, you, you don't want to give him the GOAT status because the resume has to be filled with more, say, postseason success mm-hmm. or championships, you know, that those are, those are some things that certainly enter the fray as well. Uh, but I think it's at the very least safe to say, I don't think I've ever seen anything in a baseball uniform as impressive, as talented as this guy. And so if that means that in my eyes he's the greatest of all time, um, so be it. I just know that I've never seen anything like that. Well, I think part of what quantifies it too, right, is that, you know, it's it's that uh, that old cliche. If you're building a baseball team and you get every baseball player to ever live in their peak form, who's, who are you drafting number one? Hmm. I mean, how do you not draft Shohei Otani because you're getting a frontline starter <laughs> yeah, yeah. and a, a, a DH that's you know the the best hitter in baseball at that time? Like, how would you go against Shohei Otani? How would you like? What's the argument for taking anybody else with that number one pick? That's an interesting way to put it. That's an interesting way to present it uh, because in that way, all the greats are on the table. Yeah, and in their best 
possible yeah, at form. their peak levels. At their peak. So you're talking Barry Bonds. Mickey in Mantle. 2003 yeah. or whatever it is, right? Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Babe Ruth, Williams. Ken Griffey yeah. Jr. I mean, even I mean, you even throw in there like uh, uh, Ricky Henderson, right? Yeah. At his peak form. Or pitchers. Uh, you can throw in like Doc yeah. Gooden and Roger Clemens and you know Sandy Koufax and all these dudes. Would you take anyone over Shohei? No. Yeah. No, I don't think Shohei I would either, right? Because basically you're taking, you know, potentially uh, Barry Bonds and Doc Gooden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With one pick. Yeah. That's just stupid, man. That's just crazy. Oh, man. This guy is fun to watch, and I think what makes it all the more enjoyable is he seems like a legitimately cool dude. Like, he just seems like like he's he's just uh, he, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He's a big, good-looking guy and uh, just seems to enjoy the game, has a lot of respect, it seems, for everybody around him. Uh, and at the end of the day, he's just also a badass. So it's just it's fun to watch. Stay cool this summer. Get the new Bosch Inverter Central Air Conditioning System that qualifies for up to a $1,000 Hawaii energy rebate. Ask your contractor for the Bosch Inverter. All right, we got Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports, in studio with me. We're going to get into Max Holloway's upcoming fight korean zombie will be the opponent we'll get rob's thoughts on that when we come back you're listening to let's talk sports Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the Paxa Studios in Honolulu. I am being joined by my special guest co-host for the day, none other than Robbie D. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports. We were talking about Shohei Otani in that last segment. And during the break, we got into uh, yet another uh, added aspect of the conversation surrounding Shohei, and that is obviously his future. And if you're the Angels franchise, what do you do regarding his staying or remaining in an Angels uniform. What do you do regarding the the enormous amount of money that is going to be thrown at this guy uh, that he is going to be expected to receive here uh, in this upcoming offseason? Because there are going to be a whole lot of suitors. He is, as we've mentioned, the best player in the game, uh, the most valuable. What he has done in terms of the appreciation of the Angels' value as a franchise has probably been bolstered, what, at least tenfold because of his lure and attraction marketing wise overseas and, and in Japan and other, uh, you know, realms of, of, of the, of the globe. So like his value is, is almost immeasurable. So if I'm the angels, you know, I would love to see him as a Mets fan, uh, somehow make his way to New York. Uh, but if I'm the angels, I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. And if that even requires in, in a show, um, pun intended, in a show of your commitment to to improving the team and, and building a contender around him, if that even requires the idea or at least the conversation of trading Mike Trout, I say you absolutely have that conversation. Rob DeMello, who is the biggest Mike Trout fan, Rob DeMello, who is an Angels fan, what say you about that? Uh, well, <laughs> it's like that Dave Chappelle skit where it was like, my my love for Mike Trout does not permit me to answer <laughs> this question or even a no take part in this exercise. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm with you as far as what Shohei means to the franchise. I mean, you just look at yesterday's game, right? Shohei's starting, and you look at the advertisements that are behind home plate and on the outfield wall and all that. I mean, there are pro- for products that you can't even get in America. Right. I mean, this is you are making so much money that is globally like the money is coming in from global places, not just in the U.S. that 
that Shohei is absolutely worth every single penny that that you're going to go throw at at him. And and if you're the Angels, you need to find a way to keep Shohei Otani because he is why people come to the ballpark. He is why people are talking about your franchise. He is why people are investing in your club and spending all those dollars in advertising. And so, yeah, like you do whatever it takes. And, you know, and like I said, the 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 most anxiety I get as an Angels fan is just the possibility of 2024 coming around and Shohei is in another uniform and you got nothing in return, right? You... You just, I mean, you obviously, you know, it's not that you didn't get anything because you got years of awesomeness and and years of money, um, but uh, you know, it, it, it's a scary thought as far as what what does it look like? What happens if, a la Pittsburgh Pirates, Barry Bonds ends up leaving the franchise to go to the San Francisco Giants, and you had the best player of that generation, and he just kind of walked away and. And, and you're left empty-handed. You didn't get a future in return. You didn't get minor leaguers. You didn't get this awesome pitcher. You didn't get nothing. That's pretty scary. But I think it's also the risk you have to take and, and hope that that you'll be able to match whatever else someone else is going to be able to offer Shohei Otani. It's going to be big, 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 big dollars. That's going to be the biggest sports story in a long, long time, right? Well, certainly the biggest baseball story, right, in a long time. I mean, but really, I mean, LeBron James' first free agent year – is the only other thing I could think of that that create would would create this kind of drama as far as what is going to happen with this player. I mean, I can't think of another time where a player's free you know impending free agency. Well, I is, mean, Tom Brady. Tom Brady would would maybe be a guy, right? When when his run with the Patriots ended, you know, that was that was pretty well covered. Um, yeah, I, it, it, it feels different. Yeah. Well, it, I, you we we are enthralled with yeah. Shohei, and I think yeah, many yeah. people across the world like the, it is his as mentioned his his marketability uh, in in several areas of the planet um, creates so much value. Uh, but that will be interesting to see how will the you know mainstream sports media how will they cover this? Will they put as much emphasis on this as they did the decision for LeBron and you know? Uh, Players like Tom Brady, or you know, even even you could possibly uh, suggest the the trade that ended up uh, occurring with with Aaron Rodgers and all of that stuff. So um, yeah, that'll be interesting. I do think that it's a pretty big story, and, and certainly one that's going to be uh, as impactful as any uh, on the sport of baseball. Let's switch sports a little bit. By the way, the number eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty. You can also text in at that number via the Zephyr Insurance text line uh, because uh, one of the areas that you uh, focus a lot of your coverage on uh, is mixed martial arts. Uh, and we got uh, a date for Max Holloway. Uh, he's going to be taking on the Korean Zombie. Uh, that's going to be on August 26th. And I just kind of want to get your thoughts on this matchup for Max because that was part of the the conversation that we've had previously. Like, if you're Max Holloway, what do you do? Where, where do you take your career as far as the matchmaking is concerned? Do you try to continue to just clean out that division in the UFC? Do you do you continue to maybe think about having these super fights, these mega fights, and and maybe you know just trying to to sort of market yourself in that way? Do you think about changing divisions? All of that stuff. What do you think about this particular upcoming matchup for him? Yeah, I think this fight lines up to what we were talking about even before his most recent victory as far as what you do. And, and, and you know, even though Korean Zombie is at the end of his career, um, this is still a super fight. This is a, a fight of two um, likely 
Hall of Famers in the UFC, and uh, you know, Max definitely is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Korean Zombie, I think there's an argument to be made there, and um, and it's a fight of between strikers that people are just looking forward to. Now, with that being said, I mean, Holloway's like a massive favorite in this fight, like astronomical. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one thousand. Yeah. yeah, like minus, minus one thousand. Yes, uh, least, and that was like a week ago. I don't know. Yeah, if that's and, that, and that's the biggest favorite he's ever been in his career. It's it's you know up there as far as you know some of the bigger uh odds in ufc history um but yeah so uh, you know it's one of those scary situations where this is a fight that you know max has everything to lose and nothing to win right because if he wins then it's like well he's i mean there he goes again he's beaten up on someone and he's supposed to win this fight um if he happens to lose then it's kind of just like okay what happens with max now but then you know when you get to this point in your career especially in the ufc I mean, we saw this with like a Travis Brown, where you know he at one point he was number three heavyweight contender in the world, and uh, you know he was viewed as like this is going to be the next heavyweight champ. But then you get to a point where you only fight killers at that point, and they only get younger and they only yeah. get more talented because they've been watching you, right? And, and and so then it gets to a point where you know yeah you you know you get a loss here, you get a loss there, and then there's no. There's no gimme wins anymore because no one wants to see you fight someone that isn't in your category. And and I think that's the thing with – that's how impressive Max has been is that Korean Zombie is definitely in his category. But that's how good Max is, yeah. is that someone that is in his realm is viewed as like, oh, this guy can't beat Max. And so it's going to be really interesting to see. I, I know it's going to be fireworks just because they're two fighting styles. Um, but definitely, you would think that uh, this is a fight that Max can win. And then, you know, I, I do think that a fourth fight with Volkanovski is possible, even though people don't want to see it. He's 0-3. Um, you know, only one of those losses, you know, were were uh, a decided victory for you Volkanovski. You felt like two of the three could have two gone Two of the three could way. have gone either way. And so, therefore, it, it opens the door. And, um, you know, just as long as Max keeps winning and keeps fighting awesome fighters— uh, I mean, there's really nowhere else for him to go. Um, so you're, because I, I think that when I first saw this, you know, Korean Zombie is still a name that kind of resonates, right? And um, but you're right. I mean, he's at he's at the tail end, certainly. Like he's 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 well past his prime. Uh, I think he's outside of the top ten, if I'm not mistaken. And so um, it 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 felt like. You know, like, oh, Korean Zombie, that's kind of cool. And then once you sort of allow that to sink in, it's like, well, there are much better matchups out there that would probably be more challenging for Max or maybe more compelling from that standpoint. Does it benefit Max to go into a fight where he is such an established favorite? I, I think, you, like you said, it's it's he has nothing in terms of really much to gain, a whole lot to lose. And so, you know, if he finishes this fight in in uh, fairly impressive fashion or, or at least wins in in more demonstrative fashion where it's it's not at all uh, kind of up for debate um how much does he get out of it and i i think that's my concern yeah you know but the thing that also needs to be looked at is, as far as like if you're max holloway right and putting yourself in his shoes right i mean the the volkanovsky being the champion is what makes this so bizarre and, it, and it's really unprecedented kind of right of of the second best guy in the division, right, being Max Holloway, um, can beat everyone in the division, but has not been able to beat the guy that has the, the belt, 
And so therefore, I think there's a fans that say like, oh, just move to a different weight class. But if you're if you're Max Holloway, you are at your best at 145. So why mm-hmm. why not be at your best? Why force yourself to 155 just because, right? That you know this situation. I mean, because you look at beating Arnold Allen the way he did. Any other fighter, if they fought Arnold Arnold Allen and picked up the victory in, in that fashion that Max did, they'd be fighting for the belt next. But that's just not in the cards for Max. So therefore, you have to fight a mm-hmm. Korean zombie. So he's kind of caught in limbo. A little oh, bit absolutely, here. absolutely. But you know, but the fact of the matter is, is that he's already a multiple time champion. He's already a UFC Hall of Famer, and so. I mean, there's really nothing for him to chase. Like, he just, he's staying in the sport. He's making his money. He's creating awesome fights for fans and trying to stay on this path that maybe I can finally beat that arch nemesis one day. There's nothing wrong with that to me. I mean, you just keep doing you. Yeah. It's not like he can fight Connor anytime soon. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and trust me, I mean, Max would sign, like, you know, that famous Connor, sign me up. Yeah. Right? Max would sign up for that in a heartbeat, right? And, and and so there there are those super fights out there, but they're just not available for him to this point. And if he wins this fight, it probably won't give him Volkanovski right off the bat. It, it will give him the next top contender, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so and then he's gonna have to beat that guy to get to Volkanovski. Yeah. And if he does that, then he had earned it. This is interesting, right? Because uh, you know the UFC has often been criticized by uh, just the randomness of its matchmaking, right? And uh, how it seems to be very unilateral uh, as far as the decision making behind that. Um, and so I think this is an interesting situation that Max finds himself in because there is the notion that hey, look, you had three chances against Volkanovski and it didn't go your way, uh, and so that's not necessarily it doesn't behoove the UFC to try to hype up uh, those two fighters crossing paths again and so what max has to do and and he has said he wants another go at it what he has to do is he kind of has to just force the ufc's hand here and he has to hope that you know a lot of other things sort of play out which is you know volkanovsky you know holds uh, his his seat and 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 you know remains in that division and 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 kind of you know stays in that position and he has to kind of keep winning and beating these these contenders if, if he's able to kind of get back into that that um you know as far as the opponents are concerned kind of get right back into that upper echelon and he almost just has to like beat the ufc into allow like forcing them to allow him to take one more crack at volkanovsky i mean it's essentially what he has done to this point and is what he's continuing to do and it's interesting you say that you know it requires volkanovsky staying at the top really what fixes all of max's problems is that <laughs> is volkanovsky it, yeah. gets beat yeah that's because true because he's gonna fight yair rodriguez who Max has already beaten, right? So here, take a look at the UFC featherweight division right now. You have Volkanovski as the champion, obviously 3-0 against Max Holloway. The number one contender is the interim champion, Yair Rodriguez, who Max beat. Okay, number two is Max. Number three, Brian Ortega, who Max dominated. Mm -hmm. Number four is Arnold Allen, who Max dominated. Number five is Topuria, who yeah. just beat Josh Emmett, and that would probably be next in line for I, Max. I, I think a lot of people thought that that was going to be the next Max fight, well, right? Well, the issue, though, was was the schedule, was that after the Max-Arnold-Allen fight, Max made it clear that he wants to stay active, and Topuria already had mm-hmm. a fight with Josh Emmett. So that's why, you know, if, there, if Topuria wasn't fighting Emmett, I'm sure that Max would, would have been fighting him or Josh Emmett 
in August. But the way that the schedule mm-hmm. matched out, Max needed a fight. Those two were fighting. And so, therefore, um, you know, so Topuria is in at number five. Emmett's at number six, who, who lost to Topuria. But then number seven is Calvin Cater, who Max beat the brakes off of. And then number eight is Korean Zombie, who Max is going to be fighting right here. I mean, you have, like, Max has beaten everyone he possibly could to get that title shot. And that's what he continues to do. And so it's really interesting. I mean, we've never seen this before. I can't think of a time. I mean, you can make the argument DC John Jones, but even that didn't go on as long as it's been going on with Max where, where uh, you know, one through eight, Max has beaten six of them, right? And no one else has a, vic- a victory over him than the champion. Do you think it's more likely that the UFC would – cave on giving Max another shot at Volkanovski if he loses the belt? Or do you think that it would be the UFC would it, it would behoove them? It, they would be more inclined to, to doing a fourth showdown if Max continues to win and, and beat some of the opponents you mentioned uh, and Volkanovski remains the title holder. I, I, that's that's kind of an interesting uh, question. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think this. If Yair upsets Volk, and Max beats Korean Zombie. Max is fighting Yair for the title. Okay. Right? Because then it creates, you know, Max has a chance to win that title back, and then we'll yeah. fight Volk yeah. again. Yeah. And then the fourth fight is different because it's not Max trying to beat Volk for the belt. It's Volk trying to re- yeah. gain his title. So it puts the onus on Volkanovski exactly. to, to make that rematch So happen. it's a slam dunk. That's really interesting. It's a slam dunk if Yair yeah. wins, right? That's, that flips the script entirely. Now, if Volkanovski beats Yair, then... Obviously, you know, yeah. There's gonna, it's gonna be not a guarantee that a Max little bit gets of a, that title of a shot. Steeper hill to climb. I think for Max. it is Max. If Max beats Korean Zombie and to, and then then would have to fight mm-hmm. Topuria, while probably Volkanovski fights in a different division because he still has aspirations of being a yeah. multiple weight class champion. And then if Max gets past Topuria, then he gets Volk because then there would be no. Argument. There would be like, like, who, like what else do you like do? Nobody yeah. in the world would say like, okay, well, he doesn't deserve this. Like, he just, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's almost like saying like, you know, the 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 Buffalo Bills aren't allowed to go to the Super yeah, Bowl yeah. anymore in the yeah. '90s. Like, you know, okay, you lost three times. All right, you're not allowed to. Like, you just if they earned it, you just gotta let them play. Yeah. No, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. All right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, uh, we'll do a little thing that we like to uh, call Mina or Major with my man Rob Demello. You're listening to Let's Talk Sports. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello, KHON2 Sports Director, is joining me uh, as my guest co-host for the day. Uh, all right, uh, we're going to get into a little thing that I like to call Mina or Major. I'm just going to present something to you. And, uh, Rob, I think the uh, the name of the segment speaks for itself. You just tell me if it's kind of Mina or if it's kind of Major. All right, so uh, first one, uh, former Rainbow Warrior basketball player Kamaka Hepa added to the Pelicans Summer League team. Your Pelicans Summer League team. Is that Mina or Major? Let me guess. Yeah, I feel like I, uh, I wish this into existence. <laughs> uh, that it is Major uh, because... 
for a University of Hawaii basketball player to, to find their way into the NBA Summer League is a big deal, right? I mean, off the top of my head, I, Noah Allen participated in it, Stefan Jankovic, and then you go back to, you know, the days of uh, Savo and Carl English and A.C. Carter, Trevor Ruffin, obviously. Um, and so, you know, the, the list isn't that long. And so for Kamaka Hepa, who is an absolute specimen, right, who is a guy that you know, and I've had this conversation with people that might be more valuable as a pro than even a collegiate basketball player just because of what he provides to a team and the kind of depth that he would allow. Um, I definitely think it's major for him, and 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 definitely uh, it will be a lot of fun to be watching the NBA Summer League with him. And, and uh, should be noted that uh, Justice Suing, uh, Honolulu-born former Mariners student, uh, is playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, he went to Ohio State, and so it would be a lot of fun to see local boys out there in the NBA Summer League. But Kamaka Hepa, I think, definitely has a chance to, if not cracking the NBA this early in his career, but playing his way into the G League and having the kind of opportunity that those players that we mentioned did where they're on the cusp of making the NBA. Yeah, I mean, it's major because, you know, to make it to the promised land, you have to be given the opportunity. And uh, while, you know, if he were a, you know, draft pick or something along those lines, that would better his chances for sure. But this is his entryway. This will be his opportunity. And I think he fits into, uh, to a large degree, what we consider to be the the model of modern-day basketball, right? He's a tall, stretch, kind of forward uh, position player who can stretch the floor and shoot the threes. And, you know, he's, he's long. He can, uh, in some ways... Uh, protect the rim he, he can grab rebounds he can alter shots and, and so yeah I, I think that there's value for a guy who has that frame who can knock down threes will he be able to do it um will he be able to do it um you know with nba type talent uh, defending him um and and against those caliber type players i, I think that that's going to be the question that remains to be seen but yeah i think the opportunity is there in front of him we'll see if he can make the most of it but it's definitely major that's for sure all right next one is this minor or major uh the san antonio spurs say victor Wembanyama, who is going to make his debut in the summer league as well is officially seven three and a half even though there are a lot of reports that refer to him as being seven five seven five sounds kind of cool seven three and a half also is kind of cool but seven five is a little cooler is that minor or major uh, that's mine. And, uh, <laughs> and when you're talking to someone that is uh, uh, not seven foot three and a half or seven foot five. Um, it, yeah, dude. I mean, it is what it is. Like he's still the same basketball player. He's still the same unbelievable talent and prospect. And some people call him the greatest prospect of all time. None of that changes by him being seven, three and a half to seven, five. Uh, no. This is extremely minor. It's very minor. Um, he, <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's such a, a, a large human being. And once you get into like seven, three, seven, four, seven, like who cares? Yeah. Really? Like who cares? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's absolutely minor. Uh, I do like the idea of seven, five. Maybe we can kind of do the, uh, you know, maybe in shoes. He's like closer to seven, five, but we should also remember, uh, Michael Jordan was always listed at six, six, but everyone says that he was actually probably closer to like six, four. Um, and even Charles Barkley, who was, you you know, more in like the 6'4 range as a power forward as opposed to where he was listed, which was 6'6 or 6'7. So, um, yeah, I think that we have to remember some of those heights uh, aren't always necessarily spot on. It doesn't necessarily also impact uh, the potential of 
of a of a you know prospect or or an NBA player. Did you see the uh, promotional shoot with the Spurs of him in his uniform for the first time? Yes, right? I did. And he's like just shooting around. He's like by the. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And I remember Sean Bradley and Manute Bowl and all these guys. And the way that he just drops the ball into the bucket is something that uh, it just it's mind-boggling to me. Yeah, it's like, um, you know those uh, eight-foot rims they have uh, out in Kailua, was Enchanted Lake? They yeah. Had, like the eight-foot oh, rims. Bro, oh, man. talking to me about Enchanted Such Lake? Such great time. What's up? And I remember it was like a dream come true. We'd just go out there and we could like just easily grab the rim and like dunk okay, and all this uh, stuff. Okay, what's this we talk of easily grabbing the rim? Dude, I was... <laughs> I, I needed bunnies, bro. To, <laughs> to <laughs> but that's how it is for him. It's like he's on one of those like play school my yeah. first basketball no, hoops or something like, like yeah. that it's it's ridiculous uh yeah that's minor all right uh minor or major division one council uh proposed cutting the transfer portal window in college sports in half uh from basically 60 days where the transfer portal is live uh and it, it occurs at different times of the year for each sports season uh, i think football actually has two uh designated windows for the transfer portal after the fall sports it's like a, a straight 60 day uh window for the transfer portal uh, basically cutting those windows in half so it'll be uh, the, what is a total of 60 days down to 30 days do you think that's going to be minor or major uh, that's major because any time that you could put any kind of guardrails and regulation on this thing i think is a valuable thing for both the student athletes and the institutions because you know when they opened the transfer portal i mean there was there was no regulation and things are crazy and, and and the most not talked about thing in sports are the thousands of kids that give up scholarships enter the portal and end up with no home and end up not playing college football anymore and or they end up going to a school where their family is now paying for their tuition and 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 you know that's not what the transfer portal was made for right and so i think by minimizing the window it makes it a lot more of a difficult decision for kids to make because then it's understood that like oh man if the, you know the, it's a lot tighter of a window and i don't have two months to find a new home and maybe i should stay where i am or there's the other side where, you know, maybe these student athletes and institutions in times can can work hand in hand and just be like, hey, coach, this opportunity for me. I mean, I got guys in front of me and maybe that they, they enter the portal, but there's still a possibility for them to return because those scholarships haven't been filled or whatever it is. Just anything that gives more student athletes an opportunity to remain on scholarship somewhere, I think is a good thing. I, I think that um, the story that's not told very often is just how many student athletes get lost in the yeah. transfer portal like we always see these like you know headline stories of these guys who went from this program up to the power five program and you know they excelled or whatever it is or they went back down from a power five to a group of five uh, but they don't talk about the hundreds and hundreds of student athletes who oftentimes just get lost in there and have nowhere to go and in essence give up a spot with a previous program uh, and have really no other their options and they kind of paint themselves into that corner and that happens way more often than what is discussed uh, a total of over 2200 division one football players <laughs> entered the transfer portal last time around i think uh in the spring uh it was uh like 1300 student athletes or something like that um in in football so it's just like crazy the number of trans that's just football the number of transfer portal players there are and so yeah it's major because i think it's going to make that decision uh, a little bit more 
um, like it, it's it's going to put a greater emphasis on whether or not that's a good idea, and it's mm-hmm. going to force these student athletes and their support team to really kind of think about it. Uh, it's also going to make it a lot more cluttered potentially for some of the coaches and and would be recruiters. That said, the vast majority of the transfer portal student athletes enter the portal at the very beginning anyway. So I don't think there's going to be that much of a difference in terms of the overall numbers, uh, but it's going to be major because it's going to pack that timeline uh, in a much more profound way. All right, we're going to take another break. Uh, When we come back, we'll finish things off with our best and worst. Robbie D in the house. What's up? Welcome back. Let's talk sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Rob DeMello of KHON2 Sports is in the house. It's time for our best and worst. Rob, what is your best, man? Well, I I have two bests. I have a double best, all right? And they both come from pro baseball. First off is Kauai native Kirby Yates, oh, nice. former all-star closer for the Padres, now with the Atlanta Braves. He locked down his first save since the 2020 season on Monday night in Atlanta's victory over Minnesota. And check this. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, you know, played 15 games between the 2020 and 2022 seasons because of injury. He had Tommy John elbow surgery. A lot of people would wonder whether or not he'd ever reach the status that he was once at of being one of the elite closers in the game of baseball. In his last eight games, he has 15 strikeouts, no walks in nine and two-third innings and got his first save on Monday night, first time since 2020. Awesome. Much congratulations to Kirby Yates. And then the other one is Joey Cantillo, Kailua High graduate, being named to the MLB All-Star Futures game. Yeah. He joins just Jerome Williams, Kurt Suzuki, and Colton Wong as Hawaii natives to be able to play in that prestigious All-Star game that is the best of the best in the minor league system. Good stuff. Very good stuff. Uh, my best, uh, there's a New Jersey man, Tom Stuker. He's 69 years old. Uh, he once bought in 1990 on United Airlines a lifetime pass that was worth $290,000. That is a big amount of money, uh, but it is worth it because he has flown on United with that lifetime pass a total of $23 million miles. He wow. is the most traveled airline passenger in the history of the industry and he accumulates so much miles with this lifetime pass that he auctions off those miles and he makes all kinds of money to fund some of the other areas of his life paid for his brother's wedding in 2019 alone he flew um 373 flights that added up to 1.46 million miles and out-of-pocket costs for that amount of travel without his pass would have been 2.4 million dollars what an Brilliant. investment. What an investment. Yeah. Crazy stuff. He's so, like the Shohei Otani of travel. That's right. Uh, United Airlines, probably not offering that <laughs> lifetime pass uh, anymore after that. But, uh, yeah, really, really uh, outstanding stuff. All right. Uh, worst, we're going to share this worst. Uh, Clyde Aikau. Uh, he is the brother, of course, of Eddie Aikau, surfing legend, part of that uh, incredible uh, Aikau Ohana. Uh, suffered from a uh, incident, collapsed in Las Vegas, uh, went to a Las Vegas hospital, had a emergency open-heart surgery. Uh, the family has established a GoFundMe page for the 73-year-old Aikau. Uh, and so we encourage everyone out there, if you can give, to give uh, for uh, to support uh, this incredible uh, athlete, this incredible surfer, and this incredible Hawaii icon. Much love to Uncle Clyde. All right, that will uh, do it for our show. Uh, Robbie D., thanks so much for coming in. Uh, we appreciate it. Again, Dave Kawada will lock it down tomorrow. I'll be back in here on Friday. Have a good one, folks.